Good morning, Forefront. It's so good to be with you. If you guys are new with us this morning, thanks for joining. My name is Drew, and we are just so glad to have you here worshiping Jesus together. Hello to everybody tuning in online. Hope you guys are great, having a great weekend, enjoying this great weather we've been having. Hey, if you have your Bibles, let's grab those, and let's open up to the book of Matthew. And we'll be in Matthew chapter 22 for most of our time this morning. I'm going to ask you a question. When was the last time that you had trouble seeing something that was in front of you? Maybe, maybe there was something blocking your view. You just couldn't see. You knew it was there. You, you knew that thing, that something was right in front of you, but you just couldn't see it. There, there was an obstruction of some kind. Or, or maybe you were just too far away and you had to get closer. You had to continue to push in so you could see it more clearly. About two and a half years ago, August of 2018, uh, God called Courtney and our family here to Forefront, so we load up the U-Haul, we, we leave sticky hot Missouri and Kansas, which is like 95, and we show up to hot, dry Denver at 95, and I remember we're, we're loaded the U-Haul, we're driving down I-70, and we get to about the airport. We're kind of in Aurora area at the airport, and I look, I'm looking west, and I keep expecting to see the mountains. But I look at Courtney, and for whatever reason, the mountains weren't there. And I said, well, something's going on here. So I look at Courtney and I said, I promise you, last time I was here, the mountains were right there. I don't know where they went, but they were right there. And so we get driving. We turn down 225. And we, we, we start heading, swinging around on 470. And we're heading in. I'm starting to get worried at this point. Like, what has happened to the mountains, right? So we, we you know, big hill as you start to crest over and head down towards Santa Fe. All of a sudden, I started to see the silhouette. And the closer we got, the better we saw if you guys remember August of 2018, that summer there was a lot of wildfires in California, and so the wind was blowing those in. Now, coming from the Midwest, we didn't know anything about this, right? So we were like, what is going on? But we, we knew something was there. We knew this beautiful, big, gorgeous thing was there, but we just couldn't see it. We had to get closer and closer before we could put our eyes on it. I think we've all had these situations in life. I think we've all experienced these moments where you, you know something is true, or you, you know something is put before you, but yet you just can't see it. That there's something blocking your view. It's like getting out of the shower, and all of a sudden, the, the mirror is fogged up, and you can't see. You have to do a little Mr. Miyagi, right? A little wax on, wax off to be able to, or get the hair dryer out, depending upon which way you like to go. But there's this, I think this happens in life. We find ourselves in situations, and we start to wonder, I can't see clearly anymore, and sometimes I can't even see myself clearly. You start to think to yourself that, that maybe everything has changed, and maybe it's a messy situation you've been, it's a relationship issue, it's a hard season, but you just can't see clearly which way to go. Like we've all been there. And it seems like this last year, there's been this fog hanging around. It's difficult to really see ourselves and to see the future and to see where God is calling us to go. It's like this, the, the smoke last summer from the wildfires are still hanging around. We just can't see past them. You know, can, can you believe that one year, Ago today was the last Sunday before the world changed. So one year ago today, we had just finished our Vision 2020 series, which is funny. They always say hindsight's 2020, right? So we just finished our Vision 2020 series. We were in a series called I Love My Church. We are so excited. We are fired up, all ready to go where God was taking us. And all of a sudden, like a button, like a light switch, everything shifted. The next week we were online for three months trying to figure out how to navigate the new world we were all living in. And you guys have done the same in your life. It's been a year. Can you believe that? It's been a year. And I think while we've all pressed on in our 
lives, we, we realize that a lot of people's lives have been upended. It, at some point, every single one of us have been impacted. Things got foggy or smoky or murky for every single one of us at varying levels, of course. But so how do we really figure out what the future holds for us? How do we really figure out where we are going? As a church, we want to be the people God has called us to be, to push in. But we have to ask that question. God, now that the world is looking different, who are you calling us to be? What does this look like? What is this journey we're on? How do we join together on this mission that you have called us on? And just like Courtney and I driving toward the mountains made them more clearly, I think us as a church and individually as Christians, as people who follow Jesus, we need to press forward to him. Because the closer we get to God, the clearer it will become. The more clarity we'll have in our life and what God is calling us to be. So over these next three weeks, we've started a new series called Clarity. And we're asking just these big questions. God, who are we? God, who are you calling us to be? What is this mission that you've called us on church as, uh, as Forefront Church in this part of the world? What is this mission that you've called us on in our own lives as followers of Jesus? And we're so asking God to give us a, a, a fresh, clear view to help bring our mission and our vision into focus. About a year and a half ago, and we started to feel like God was stirring something up inside of us. As the elders and I got together and our leadership team, we started to really feel like God was kind of at work. He was giving us kind of uh, some stirring inside of us, stirring up our affections to give us a, a fresh and renewed mission and vision here at Forefront. And we wanted to lean into that. So we just started praying. We just got together and started God, what are you calling us to do? And uh, we began kind of putting on paper what we feel like God was showing us and trying to wordsmith it and make sense of all of these things and trying to really kind of bring it all together because we believe as a church that having vision of where we're going is important. I think all of us agree that you need to be able to see. If you're walking through the dark to turn on the light, chances are you're going to trip over Courtney's throw pillows, right? Like they're all over the place. I'm not even sure where they come from. They're just all over the place. We need vision. Solomon says this in Proverbs 29, 18. He says, where there is no vision, the people perish. And so as a church, we need to know, God, where are you taking us? What is your vision for us? What is your vision for forefront and for our lives? So I think of a roadmap. Anybody here old school? You guys love maps? Any map people? Like three of you. Everybody else is Google, Google Maps or Apple Maps? Which one? Oh, Waze. I heard Waze, Google, Apple. Nope, nobody said Apple. Apple, a couple apples over here. Well, anyways, I love, a good, I love a good map. I really love a good road map, though. Like a good atlas, you know, you can mark down where you went. Like, hey, man, remember back in 1988, right, when we went here? Remember we stopped at that little barbecue restaurant right here? You'd forget that otherwise. Last summer, we went to Yellowstone. And as you go through the gate, they give you a map. And I remember I lived on this thing for a week, just trying to figure out where to go, where the geysers were, how to get around the road construction, all of these things. A map shows you where you're going. And we need that in our own lives. We need that in our life as, as followers of Jesus to figure out where God is calling us to. But we also need that in our life as a church to see, God, what's this mission you've got us on? Where are we going? And how do we get there? Are we walking, are we driving, are we taking a plane, are we taking a, you know, riding our bikes? What are we doing? And so we, we think about vision in this way. So imagine you pull out Apple Maps or Google Maps on your phone and you plug in and you're going to go on summer vacation. You're leaving Forefront Church and you're going to Zion National Park. Anybody been to Zion? Look at you guys. You guys are well-traveled. 
I haven't been there yet. I'm hoping to go, but the pictures are beautiful. So you go into Zion, imagine. So think of your vision and your mission and your strategy like this. Your mission is where you're going. So we say, God, where are you taking us as a church? What's our final destination? That's our mission as a church. So your mission for your summer vacation, should you choose to accept it, is to go to Zion National Park. But your vision is what you're going to do while you get there, what you're going to do along the way. And your strategy is how you get there. So your strategy is I'm going to drive, most likely, unless you're flying into Salt Lake City or, or wherever. Maybe you can fly into St. George and you're driving in. You're going to drive. You're leaving here. You're driving there. And it's going to take you, what, nine hours and 45 minutes or so. That's, that's, that's your strategy. But your vision is what you're going to do along the way. Now, if you're like my family, you stop every 45 minutes for your three-year-old to go to the bathroom, right? So it takes a little longer than nine hours and 45 minutes. But you guys get the idea. So this is our idea. Here's our mission and our vision and our strategy, where we're going, what we're going to do when we, on the way, and how do we get there. So for us over this last year and a half, we've really been spending time as elders, like talking about, God, what, what are you doing? What, what is this mission you're calling us to? And, and we feel like God is stirring something up inside of us. And, and over the, the course of this time, I just kept feeling like God was telling us that he was doing something new, that God was doing something new here at Forefront. You know, as you look across God's word, as you look throughout the Bible, you see this idea that God is continually making all things new, that, that God is, is making us new, that, that God is re- renewing us from the inside out. There's, I love 2 Corinthians 5, 17, where Paul says that, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is what? A new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. I like Isaiah has to say, this is great, Isaiah 43, 18, 19, he says, forget the what? Former things. Do not dwell on the past. We need to remember that, don't we? Like, don't dwell on the past. Don't dwell on this last year and the mistakes we made, the bad decisions we made, the ugly things that happened. Don't dwell on the past. But what? He says, see, I am doing a what? New thing. Isn't that encouraging? No matter what the, the valley we're in looks like, there's a peak on the other side, that God is doing a new thing. How about Ezekiel 36, 26? God says, I am giving you a what? A new heart and a new spirit. He says, I will remove that heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. So we see this picture all throughout God's word that God is doing something new inside of us. That God is changing us from the inside out. So we've been praying about, God, what is this new thing you're doing? God, what is this thing you're stirring up inside of us? And if you've been part of Forefront for a long time, you know that we have a, a rock-solid mission. You know, our mission is to help people find their way back to God. And two and a half years ago, when Courtney and I got in that U-Haul, we bought into that mission. We love that mission. We still do. That does not change. Our heart is to still help people find their way back to God. But we said, God, you're stirring up something new in us. What does that new thing look like? And as we have prayed and talked I'm excited to to share with you for the very first time our new mission statement at Forefront. And it is this. Drum roll, please. Here's our new new mission statement. It's leading people to experience new life in Jesus. That that mission doesn't change, that we're here to help people find our way back to God. But we feel like God is giving us a fresh mission to take it further. So that we can all experience the new life that we have in Jesus, leading others to experience new life in Jesus. And as we've prayed about what this new life looks like, what God is really trying to reveal to us, God continually brings us back to John 10, 10. Here's what Jesus says. Jesus says, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. 
that Jesus came so that you and I, so that people that know him, that, that you and I as the kingdom men and kingdom women can bring a, a newness, a fullness, an abundance of life to the world, to our lives, to our families, to our neighborhoods, to our workplaces, to, to the ends of the earth. So we feel that this is our mission. Help people live out this new abundant life in Jesus. This is what God is calling us to. And the way we do it, we believe, is by living upward, inward, and outward. And so for the next three weeks, we're going to really explain what this looks like to live upward, inward, and outward. But today we're going to focus on the upward. One day Jesus was walking with his, his, his friends and his disciples, and he was teaching about the kingdom of God and all the things that God was doing and he was being, uh, trying to be trapped by the Pharisees and the Sadducees. They were trying to, to, to kind of walk him into something he didn't mean to say, but Jesus was always smart enough to, to kind of head them off. And so one day, uh, a lawyer walks up to Jesus and he says this. If you have your Bibles, look, Matthew 22, verse 35. He says this. One of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. He said this. He said, teacher, what is the greatest commandment in the law? And so Jesus says to him in verse 37, he says, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. Quick math. How many commandments are there in the Old Testament? Ten? Right. 613, close, close. It's just a little bit north of 10, but 10's a good guess because we think of the 10 commandments. But actually, if you pull out the whole Torah and you look at the entire Old Testament, you see there's 613 laws. That's a lot of laws. But notice what Jesus does. Jesus does quick math and says, I'm going to take all 613 down to how many? And two, two. 613 laws down to two. See, what really this guy is asking is he's asking Jesus, what does it mean to follow you? Jesus, what is this new life you keep talking about? Jesus, what is it, this, this being saved? What is this kingdom? What is all of this? What do you mean? To do all this, what do I need to do? And, and notice, Jesus doesn't give him a list. Jesus doesn't say, well, you need to do these things. Hey, if you do these things, then you will do well. No, Jesus just says, hey, here is who you are, and here is who you are becoming. See, rather than giving us this compulsory list that we just go through, we do all these things, Jesus says, let me just show you a picture of the person in the kingdom that I came to bring. It's, it's a picture of who you are and who you are becoming. See, friends, this is a picture of the new life that we have in Jesus. Somebody that's growing, forever growing in their affections for Jesus Christ. See, Jesus says that, Following him, that being a Christian, that living in the new life that he brings, is living a life where you're constantly growing in a love for him that engulfs our entire being. Look back at that verse. It's, it's not just your mind, but it's also your soul. It's your heart. It's, it's everything about you. It's intellectual. It's your affections. It's the way that you live your life. Mark goes on to say your strength. It's everything about you is that you are ever increasingly growing in your love for Jesus. Because I think there's this reality in life that you're either growing or you're shrinking. You're either growing up or you're growing down. 
right? I like what Lou Holtz says, the old national championship winning Notre Dame coach. He's got a really great voice. I can't do the voice. If you guys know Lou Holtz, he's got a great voice. But he says that, he says that in this world, you're either growing or you're dying. It's pretty intense. So what does he say? So get in motion and grow. I think there's this reality that you're never sitting still. You might think you are, but you're not. You're either getting smarter or you're losing your intelligence. You're either getting stronger or you're getting weaker. You're either getting healthier or you're getting the opposite of healthy, right? So which way are we growing? And I think this is a question we need to ask. Ask yourself, which way are you growing? When you look at your life, what are you growing in? Are you going up or are you growing down? And as a church, spiritually, deep, are we growing up or are we growing down? I think this is one of the challenges that Jesus is asking us. And I think one of the beautiful aspects of this new life that Jesus calls us to is, and it's beautiful, is that we are all in process. Praise God for that, right? Praise God, Jesus didn't say, you're saved and you're done. This is as good as it gets, right? For a lot of us, we'd say, well, hold on, this doesn't seem that great right now. But I think that is the process that God calls us to. He's doing something new. He's given us a new heart. He's calling us to follow him. And that is a lifelong journey where God is slowly changing us and sanctifying us from the inside out. He's given us this new heart and this new spirit, and he's called us into this new life. So praise God we are in process. Praise God that new life is always available. Whether you've been a Christian for two days or 80 years, new life is yours. Doesn't that sound good? Don't you want that? That God's mercies are new every morning? That you can have new life today and tomorrow and every day because of what Jesus came and did for us? My friends, that's a beautiful truth of what God shows us in his Word. And he says that as people whose affections for him are growing, that God is shaping us and he's sculpting us and he's forming us and conforming us into the people he has want us to be. He wants us to be. So this new, this experiencing new life is living upward. It's pursuing Jesus in what we do and how we live our life and in the affections that we have. So what Jesus says here in Matthew 22 should kind of stand as a a spiritual MRI or an x-ray for your heart. When we read Jesus' words here, we, we should probably stop and not just go, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, very good, very good, sounds good. No, this is, Jesus is saying, look deep in your heart and say, ask yourself the question, am I growing upward? Am I living upward? Do I see in my life that I have an ever growing affection for Jesus? That, that, that should be a question that we ask ourselves all the time. Because, let's just be honest, if, if you aren't experiencing new life in Jesus, then you need to ask yourself why. Now, now again, there's going to be bumps in the road. There's going to be tough seasons. We're going to make bad decisions where we're going to live out those consequences. That's a reality of life. That's a reality of being human. That's why we need the new life in Jesus, right? But if you look at your life and say, you know, I, I don't feel like I've been growing in my love for Jesus. In, in fact, the last time I felt anything like that was when I walked the aisle or prayed the prayer or at some kid, some youth camp I had years ago. If that is your greatest Christian experience and it was decades ago or maybe it was a Bible study five or ten years ago, then you have to ask yourself, maybe I'm not living upward. Maybe I'm not growing upward. Maybe my relationship with Jesus isn't solid. Maybe I'm growing the other way. 
So I think Jesus gives us this picture. Like I said, it's a spiritual MRI to say, who am I and who am I becoming? Am I living toward? Am I growing towards God? Is my love increasing for Jesus? And if it is not, my prayer for you, friends, is to, to fall on your knees today and say, Jesus, help me live this out. Help me experience this new life. Help me to become the person you are calling me to be. Let this be the hallmark of my life that I'm growing Sometimes really, really slow, other times faster in my love for Jesus. So if you see what Jesus says here in Matthew chapter 22, this is what we call the great commandment, right? Jesus saying, take all 613, boil them down to these two ideas, love God, love people. This is who you are and who you are becoming. If this is, the, uh, if this is really kind of the uh, indication uh, or the embodiment of who we are, then I think what Jesus tells us in Matthew 28 is the indication of this happening in our life. Look. Flip with me to Matthew 28, just a few pages over to the right. Jesus is going to give us what we know as the Great Commission. So we've got Great Commandment, Great Commission. And Jesus is saying, if this is who you are, then this is, who you, this is what you should be doing. This is what your life should look like. Look with me, starting in verse uh, 16. So Jesus says he, he has been been crucified, he's been buried, he rose from the grave, and there's this beautiful uh, exchange that he has with his disciples. Look at verse 16, it says, now the 11 disciples, remember Judas is, is gone at this point, the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them, and when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. We don't have time to unpack that, but it, I think it's refreshing, isn't it? That like, these guys just saw Jesus alive, but yet they're still kind of unsure what's going on. Sometimes it just shows it's okay to walk through seasons of doubt. God is there with us, to walk with us, to strengthen us, to grow us. So some doubted, it says. But in verse 17, and when they saw him, they worshipped him, right? And then verse 18, here it is, great commission. And Jesus came and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Jesus is telling us here, if we are forever growing, if we are ever growing in our affections for him, this is who we are, who we are becoming, then the indication of that is going to play out in our lives, in, in the way we live our lives. And Jesus says we see that in the fact that we are people that go and make disciples. That our lives are marked by this idea of going and making Disciples. Now, I think sometimes we hear this and we kind of get glazed over. We have this kind of mental picture of what it looks like to go and to make disciples. And for each of you, that's different. For some of you, that might be talking to your neighbor about Jesus. For others, that might be going to the other side of the world to, on a mission trip. But I think sometimes we think going and making disciples, is, it's a little more conscious than, than maybe we, um, than it really is. I think what Jesus is saying is this is a picture of how you live your life. This isn't just a mission trip you take or street preaching or knocking on a door. This is a lifestyle. This is the indication of somebody who's ever growing in their affections for Jesus. You're going and you're making disciples. It means you're naturally living upward. And when you live upward, it spills over into living outward. It spills over into how you treat other people, into what you talk about, into how you live your life. You guys would agree. This is true. We naturally talk about the things we love, Right? Just think about yesterday, Friday at work, right, or talking to your family. What were you talking about? WandaVision, right, S season final, right, WandaVision, which, by the way, 
you got to get through at least episode four before you quit, right? So if you started watching WandaVision, hang in there. It gets better, right? Maybe you're talking about the Rockies. You're talking about your favorite sports teams. Whatever it is, you talk about the things you love. If you aren't sure what you love, just watch what you talk about, right? With your kids, talk about your house project, all the different things. You talk about what you love. So somebody whose love is ever increasing for Jesus, what are they going to talk about? Jesus, Jesus right? It's a leading question. Good job. Right? We're going to talk about Jesus. We're, we're going to talk about what he's doing. So when we're at home, when we're in the neighborhood talking to the, the neighbor across the fence, when we're at the workplace or the marketplace, what we're talking about is what we love. And when we begin to talk about Jesus, when we begin to share what God is doing in our life, what happens? People take notice. People start to hear. That is going and that is making disciples, being disciple makers. And the beautiful part of this is when you're living up, in, and out, you are experiencing the new life, but when you take that amazing, beautiful truth of the new life in Jesus to somebody else, then you're truly living in and out the new life that God has called you into. You're living into the kingdom of God and helping to expand that kingdom, which is what Jesus says this life is all about. But I think, and we can agree with this, the opposite is also true. When you're not living in that new life and you're not helping to stretch and expand, that new life, then what happens? I think sometimes we feel a lack of life, a dryness. I like what Matt Chandler says. He says that there is a joy that so many of us have not fully experienced because of half-hearted version of what it means to belong to the kingdom. Jesus called us to be all in. This is the mission. This is who we are and who we are becoming. And then this is what it looks like to live it out. So my friends, this is our mission to lead people to experience new life in Jesus. I just want you to think with me for a moment. What would it look like if we actually embraced this? What would it look like if we actually took this, adopted this in our own lives, and lived it out? How would that change our every day? How, how would that change the things we do and the things we say? And if you and I as a church, as followers of Jesus, we embrace this and lived it out. And if we said that the point of my life is more than health or more than success, and more than, than whatever fill in the blank is to love Jesus and to get to know Jesus more and more. What if that was everything? What if that came first? To love God with all of our heart, our soul, and our mind. What would your life look like? See, I think the reason that a lot of us aren't experiencing this life is we haven't fully given ourselves over to it. We, we, we kind of put a, a foot in the water, right, trying to see if the, if the water's warm enough to get in. And then we get distracted, we get pulled away, we get worried. Jesus says we have to go all in. So what if your question this week was, what stirs my affection for Jesus, but what also robs my affection? And I'm going to live into those things that stir it, and I'm going to get rid of those things that rob it. What if you changed your pattern in life? What if you changed the habits? What if you stacked habits on top of each other to actually fill your life with the things that stir your affection for Jesus? What would your life look like then? And you got rid of all that stuff that distracted you from the mission of who you're becoming and who you are. What would it look like if you lived this out? In the uh, book of Philippians, Pastor, or the Apostle Paul is writing to the church in Philippi. They are in a really tough situation. They're being persecuted for their faith. People are losing jobs and being outcasted from family members and being arrested and all these things. And so Paul writes to them, and he says the, the, the great words. He says, don't be anxious. And you're like, how do I not be anxious, Paul? This is crazy. 
But then he says this. Look with me, verse 8, Philippians 4, 8. He says this. He says, I'll tell you how to not be anxious. It's by being thankful and praying to God and having a heart of gratitude to God. So fill your minds with the things that stir your affections for Jesus. Look here. He says, finally, brothers, if you're going to do all this stuff, if you're going to rejoice in your suffering and not be anxious in all the hard times of life, then you need to think about what is good. Notice what he says. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's any thing worthy of praise, think on these things. What is Paul saying? Think about the things that stir up your affections for Jesus because that's going to change your life and it's going to take your eyes off of the mess put your eyes on the king. Amen? That's a perspective shift that every single one of us needs. And so what if we said, I am going to focus my life and order my day on the things that stir my affections for Jesus and get rid of the other junk? How would your life look? How would this church look? I guarantee you God would use it to do something beautiful. And what would it look like for us as a church if we did this beyond Sunday? If it spilled into every single day. Last year, before the world went crazy, we told you guys our new vision statement as a church. Again, God was stirring some things up. We weren't quite sure the mission yet. We knew that he was expanding it, but he gave us this vision. If you guys remember, the vision started like this, to advance a Jesus-focused movement in our community in the front range and beyond. But here was the the details behind it. Here was what we were going to do along the way. Our vision is to see lives changed, to see hope restored, and to see relationships thrive. See, on our way to leading people to experience new life in Jesus, this is what we're going to do. This is how we do it. We want to see lives changed. We want to see hope restored and relationships thrive. You know, it's it's really interesting. If you, if you think about if you break these down just for a quick second and look at each of these, they're specifically focused because we want to go wide and invite everybody into this thing. Everybody can get in on this. But we want to go deep with who Jesus is calling us to be. So look, lives change. What does it mean that we want to see lives change? Well, it means that we want to see people put their faith in Jesus. We want to see people who walked away from church come back. We want to see every single kid and forefront kids trust Jesus and get baptized and high five up here on stage, right? Amen? You know, the pandemic has changed a lot of things. You guys are probably seeing that people are flooding out of leaving in an exodus, New York and L.A. and all these places. You know that Denver is in the top 10 of places that people are moving to in the pandemic? In Colorado, this beautiful place, people are moving in. Out of every one person that leaves, 1.34 people are moving in. People are coming. People are coming here to us. They're moving into our backyard. And it's an opportunity for us to help them see their lives change so they can experience this new life in Jesus. It's this beautiful reality that God has put in front of us. We also want to see hope restored. You know, I was reading an article um, recently, and it was back in October, and it showed that at this point in time in October, over 100,000 businesses had closed, with, had closed permanently. And I was talking with somebody the other day, and they were mentioning that, that they heard that it's an expected 500,000 restaurants are going to close for good. And so people's lives have been flipped over and upended, and there is a, a period of hopelessness. You guys see it? You see it in your neighborhood. You guys see it in your family. 
because of COVID. And so we have an opportunity where we are to bring and restore hope in this neighborhood and in this city by being the people who are going and making disciples, but also by being the people that are the hands and feet of Jesus, that serve and care for those that have needs. See, God has called us to to something so big, something so far beyond ourselves, to where we're bringing hope and helping people who are in a hopeless place. See, here's a question I want us to ask. I want us to always ask this question. Is Forefront Church a place that if we weren't here, the neighborhood would miss? And if, our, if that answer is no, then we're doing something wrong. Our mission is to lead people to experience new life in Jesus. That means we are bringing hope in this neighborhood. And this is a mission that we all are on. But finally, real quick as we finish, our vision is not just to see lives changed and hope restored. That is so impactful, but also to see relationships thrive. Relationships here in this church, we want your marriages to thrive, we want your kids to grow and to thrive, we want this to spill over to our relationships at work and with our neighbors. And so this means that we are people that are growing upward, that we're living upward, that we're leaning into what God is doing in us and through us. In the book of Deuteronomy, Moses is, God is speaking through Moses and he's, he's telling them that we're Israel, you're getting ready to go into the promised land. And just so you know, you're going to move to the promised land. You're going to live in houses you didn't build. You're going to uh, farm uh, gardens that you didn't plant. And life's going to be easy. And it's going to be really easy to get distracted. So here's what you need to do. It's going to sound very familiar. He says, you the Lord your God. Deuteronomy 6, 5 through 9. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. Listen. You shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall talk of them when you sit in your house. And when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise up, you shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. What is Moses telling Israel thousands of years ago? Live upward. Love God with everything. And be somebody that's growing in your affection for Jesus, and it's going to change your life. So how are we going to do this? How how are we going to make this happen as a church? Well, I'm going to give you a a tease. I'll unpack this over the next two weeks. But here's our new strategy. Here it is for you. We're going to know, grow, serve, and go. We're going to be people that God has taken deep, that God is building inside of us to help us live upward, it's also going to be living inward. We'll talk about that one next week. And finally, it's going to spill into the indicator of our lives that we're going to be people that are on mission, who are going and making disciples. And so we're going to serve and we're going to go. And God is going to change us from the inside out. So here's the invitation, my friends. Join us on this mission to lead people to experience new life. It starts with you. It starts with me. It starts here, living upward. And letting God spill that into our relationships and into the way we live our lives. So this is our mission. So what do we do now? Here's what I want to do. On week one of our Clarity Series, we talk about vision and mission. Here's what I want to ask you. I want you to pray. I want you to pray to say, God, help us do this. Help us to grasp this mission you've called us on. Help us to pray about how are you calling me to live in this reality. Let's dream. Let's dream about what God can do. Let's dream about the people that we can go out and reach that are going to walk into these doors, that are going to hear the message of truth. Let's pray. Let's dream. 
But let's take hold of this reality that God is telling us that we are people that are growing in our affection for him and we are becoming people that are growing and we are becoming people who go and make disciples. But if we're going to do this, guys, we've got to push all of our chips into the middle and we've got to go all in. I like what Mark Batterson says. He says this. When you look back at the end of your life, the greatest moments will be the moments when you went all in. You might be asking, is it worth it? Is it worth it stepping all the way in? Well, let me tell you, this mission God has called us on, it's bigger than me. It's bigger than you. It's going to take us all to do it. But it leads to experiencing new life in Jesus. So is it worth it? Yeah, it's worth it. Nothing could be worth more. Jesus came to bring us new life. And the beautiful part is he wants to use you to bring new life to somebody else too. Let's pray together.